Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college football, the MLB, NHL, and of course, our signature segments, The Vault of Hilarious Contracts, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, right here on episode 91. Sticking with our theme of baseball-related fun facts, uh, let me preface this by saying let's assume that we actually make it to the postseason and all this actually happens. If every postseason series goes uh, with the 16-team format, the best of three, best of five, best of seven, and best of seven, there will be 65 postseason games. Now, secondary fun fact, which also relates to this, is that there were only 66 postseason games in the entire 1960s decade fun fact bonus fun fact the mound uh the pitching mound was lowered to 14 inches in 1969 it was much higher prior to that i also didn't know that so you got hit with a triple whammy today with three different fun facts how fun is that that is fun facts and we will talk more about um the expanded mlb playoffs later in this episode since that broke after our last episode but as we promised last week Um, Since there were more college football watch lists that came out here in this last week, Kyle is going to give us a quick update on those before we talk about some Major League Baseball. Yeah, so this week, obviously, the three stars who have been picked for the Big 12 first team, uh, Jaquan Bailey, Charlie Kohler, and Greg, or well, not actually not Charlie Kohler, Brock Purdy in this case, substitute Brock Purdy, even though he wasn't first team, but Greg Eisworth were added to more watch lists. So Bailey and Eisworth both uh, were added to the Bronco Nagurski uh, Award watch list, which is for the best defensive player um, voted on a panel for the entire season. And Brock Purdy was added to two watch lists, the Wurf Trophy, and uh, which is for community service, A combination of community service, athletic, and academic achievement. So, like, all three at the same time. Uh, And the Maxwell Trophy for best all-around college athlete on the season. Which is basically like the Heisman, but different. Yeah, and over the past couple of years, the person who has won the Heisman generally also wins the Maxwell Trophy. So, Mm -hmm. they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. It's a different award, but it's for the exact same thing. So generally, they're pretty much the same. It's it's Heisman light. So that group of players is pretty much going to be your group of players you're going to be watching throughout the season for the Heisman Trophy. Unless somebody comes out of nowhere, Joe Burrow-esque. Exactly. Which, you know, is always well, possible. Which actually, Joe Burrow really didn't come out of nowhere. He did have a pretty good junior season for LSU, but it seemed like he came out of nowhere because they still didn't even get that much coverage for some reason. That's because they weren't that good. Statistically, let's, let's, yeah. look at his, let's look at his junior year. His junior year wasn't look that at good. It. I'm looking at it right now. His junior year at LSU, um, he had a 57% completion percentage. He threw for 2,098, 16 touchdowns, and five interceptions. It's not good. It's not. It's not good. But that's pretty serviceable for college football. A lot of college football teams would take that. It's serviceable, but it's not land you on a watch list in the preseason worthy. 
Go look. Somebody looked that up as doing this. This was Joe Burrow on the watch list for the Maxwell Award going into last season. Somebody's so got last, that last season's last season's. So that would be the 2019. Yes, 2019 Maxwell watch list. Well, one of Kyle White is looking that up. Um, we will transition over to MLB um, and talk about some late breaking news that MLB and the Players Association actually got something done in a quick amount of time. Um, where just on Thursday, before the um, first game, oh, Kyle's raising his hand. Kyle has the answer. He was on the 2019 Maxwell Award watch list. He was. Interesting. So I think he was. There you go, bud. Huh. Who would have thunk? Like Why? I said, because. didn't really come out of nowhere. So there you go. He came out of nowhere. Had you heard of him? I actually did. Because I, I did hear about him when he transferred from Ohio State to LSU. That's really the only reason I had heard about him. Okay. You hadn't heard of him because he was good, though. Well, because he was unproven at Ohio State because he was sitting behind uh well, then Justin Fields coming in, but also Dwayne Haskins and mm-hmm. whoever they had before Dwayne Haskins. He had, he had thrown a total of 39 passes in three years at Ohio State. So, Yep. Anyway, back to baseball. Um, yes, the Players Association and league got a deal for expanded playoffs done like 45 minutes before um, first pitch of the season between the Nats and the Yankees um, last Thursday. So basically, it expanded playoffs to 16 teams. Um, so the way it'll work is essentially the the winner of each division and the second-place team in each division will make the playoffs. Um, and those three, and then the two next-best records regardless of division. So it is possible that four teams from one division at NL Central could end up uh, making the playoffs Um in this new playoff format. But, um, so the way the seeding will work, right, is that, um, so those three division winners will get seeded one through three based on their record. Then the three second place teams will get seeded four through six based on their record. And then seven and eight will be um, those two wild card teams. Um, those four, and then they'll just play one plays eight, two plays seven, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for that first round, that first round will be a best of three series with all three games played at high seed. Um, so, so all games played at the one, two, three, or four seed. Um, from there, we go back down to um, four teams in each league. So then the playoffs from there look like they normally would starting at the AL or NLDS rounds with best of five series and then best of seven for the LCS and World Series rounds. Um, Other things to note about this is that it eliminates all um, game 163 scenarios. Um, It just put tiebreakers in place to um, break ties. Um, So basically head-to-head is now the tiebreaker, um, followed by division record followed by last 20 games in your division followed by last 21 games in your division etc etc until somebody has the tiebreaker um so yeah no game 163s kyle wyatt 
thoughts about the expanded playoffs. This is only for this season as of right now. This does not include expanded playoffs for next season. Kyle, thoughts? Wyatt, thoughts? Anybody thoughts? Shrug shoulders. Nobody cares. I, so, so the thing, the thing that interested me the most, I guess, is if you think about those teams that built up this gigantic lead or had or played super well, had maybe an 18 game lead over the rest of their division, or they had a their overall club record through 162 games, they had more than 100 wins in the season. I feel like that kind of negates the overall lead and like how much I guess you don't get any days off then extra days off if you were for being that good but then overall it gets rid of the flukes that can happen in the wild card and may the better team win in the best of three division series I guess because in the wild card you could have just one blow up and then your entire postseason is done so I feel like I have mixed reviews for it. I feel like it's better for wildcard. I, and I, I use wildcard lightly because that's not what's happening anymore. But it's better for those, those final teams getting in to have a better chance at the, rest, the remainder of the postseason rather than just one fluke game that you throw out the window. But then again, I feel for those teams that, you know were super good throughout the entire season. Those top-tier teams, they have to go ahead and play right away. What if they blow up? So, but, I mean, it's just, it's where football's going now, except they, the NFL's going, except only the top seed will get a bye going forward. I have no problem with teams blowing up, though. Like, if you play great the entire season and then choke in the postseason, you really don't need to be there. Like, I don't think you deserve a second chance. I don't really care for this this format at all, and I don't really even need to talk about. It, I don't think I don't think MLB is gonna get there, um, to be quite honest. So I don't it's, really have many thoughts on it. It's but. too long though. Too we're gonna be playing so late into the year. Think about playing in Minnesota in I mean, it, what could possibly be November. Then. So the way the way they did this. Um, like it only ends up expanding the postseason maybe a day or two, right? So because so like this absorbs where the wild card game. So because the games are all played at home stadium, right? At home seed, they can be played three straight days, just like a regular series, right? This absorbs the days the wild card games used to get played, and it absorbs the days that were reserved for game one sixty threes at the end of the year, right? So essentially, you're absorbing the three days that normally would have been wild card in game 163 days and turning them into this series. So it doesn't expand the season at all. Um, maybe a day, nothing significant. Um, what it does, but I see the reason I don't like it, right? So I get, I'm not going to rail against it during this season, right? If they want to do things that are going to keep more people interested in baseball this season for however long baseball lasts, I'm all for it this year. Um, if this continues long term, I would be I would absolutely come out 110% against it. The reason being that right, I'm not a fan of that top team having to play a team that's probably below 500, the eight seed um, in all but three seasons going back the last I think it was 30 years, right? All but three seasons, um, the eight seed is a below 500 team. 
So I don't like that top team having just a best of three against a below 500 team for their playoff lives, especially in baseball, where the best team only wins 65% of their games, right? This isn't the NBA where the best team wins 80 plus percent of their games. So those stupid first round one, eight matchups really don't matter. But in baseball, the best teams only win 65% of the time and best two out of three, the worst team is going to win too often in a best two out of three and a team that's clearly worse in a full 162 game season. The eight seed is clearly worse than the one seed, right? You've had ample time to prove that. Mike just said everything I wanted to say, but way more eloquently. And it's it's true. When you only win 60% of your games at best, and if you all of a sudden lose to a team that's in an 80 in a 160 game season, they're what, 75 and whatever, below 500, uh, I don't think that's good for the game of baseball if this happens moving forward. Yeah. I just don't. I think yeah. it needs to be a format where if they do decide to expand, expand the playoffs, the top two teams get buys. You should be able to earn a, uh, earn a first-round buy if you win 66% of your games in a season. Yeah, I agree. And like, So I like going to the two out of three for the wild-card game. I would be in favor of doing a two out of three wild-card game, like you said, to sort of eliminate that flukiness. But again, I don't like extra playoff teams. I mean, if we look at the, if we look at the league standings, right? So that means that the, um, let's see. So the eight seed last year in the American league is 78 and 84 Texas. Now they probably don't beat Houston in a two out of three series, but those teams played enough last year that I bet you could find a series where Texas beat Houston last year. Right. Even though there was in the NL, um, it's a little better. Your team is above 500, 84 and 78. Chicago would have been your eight seed last year um, in the NL. But still, right, those teams should not get a best two out of three chance against teams like the Dodgers and Astros that won 106, 107 ball games. Anyway, for this year, good. Keeps people interested in baseball. If it extends long term, I think it's bad. I think that's the general consensus from everybody as well. Or at least everybody on this podcast. There are some people who probably like it out in the world, but so so here you go. The and this is just last year. The Texas Rangers had a thirty one point six win percentage against the Houston Astros during the season. They won um, sixteen or six games and lost thirteen. So they won six out of twenty mm-hmm. on the season. Yeah. So it could easily happen. It could have easily happened. Anyway, enough about the playoffs for baseball this year. And let's talk about the actual baseball that happened. We had actual baseball games that happened, that counted, that had records. And it was fantastic. We learned that the Twins can hit, even with Josh Donaldson struggling. So Josh Donaldson ended up going 1-for-10 with an infield single as his only hit that series. And the Twins still put up 10 runs in the first game and 14 runs in the second game um, in in the way of taking two out of three from the Chicago White Sox that ended up losing the middle game. But this Twins lineup is potent. Max Kepler homered in his first two at-bats um, in game one. Nelson Cruz um, in game three ended up having two doubles, two home runs, and seven RBIs. Um, he continues to defy father time. This Twins team can hit. 
Now there are some weak spots in the um, in the underside of that bullpen. I think the back end is going to be really strong. Uh, we didn't even see two of the Twins' top relievers in this series because all three games were blowouts. Um, so I think the back end is going to be really strong, but the underbelly of the bullpen, especially in game two, um, showed that it could be a little bit of a weakness. But man, if this team can keep hitting the ball the way they do, they are for sure a playoff team, especially under the uh, the new format. I don't see any way they don't get one of the eight best records in the American League under this new format. It was just good to be watching baseball again. I like baseball. And boy, the ball can fly in Chicago in the summer. I don't know if that was the same case uh, at Wrigley as it was at, uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field, but that baseball was flying. Lazy fly balls were leaving the park at, at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field on the south side this weekend. So, Quick pause. I hate the name Guaranteed Rate Field. Yes, that it is, is my awful. least favorite. It's it is awful. awful. It's oh, so man, dumb. I hate it. I I mean, hate it's, it. it's better than what the, the Seattle Hockey Stadium is going to be named. Climate Pledge Promise Arena or something like that. <laughs> Amazon bought the naming rights and named it after their new climate change initiative thing. It's like Climate Pledge Arena or something like that. I'm so mad. That's so dumb. Yeah. U.S. Cellular or Comiskey were much better park names for the White Sox. Yeah. Guaranteed right. Guaranteed right field. Guaranteed right field. I hate it, but... I got to use the right name. Anyway, sorry, we can continue whenever. I was done talking about the Twins. Whoever wants to jump in next can just start. On the flip side, the Royals can't hit, nor can they, well, they just can't hit because they strike out every time. They don't even put the ball in play. So in the entirety of the three-game series against the Cleveland Indians this weekend, they were able to manage one game, which was to win one game, which was good. Uh, but they struck out 18 times in in the opening day game in 30 plate appearances. And in total, they struck out 45 times in the three-game series, which is a lot of strikeouts. Uh, just for um, just like a quick reference, George Brett for the Royals struck out tw- 22 times in 515 plate appearances in 1980. That it. The Royals strike out a lot. They don't put the ball in play, and their bullpen is just awful again. The only bright side is uh, the Royals' number two prospect did pitch on the second day of the uh, the series, and he pitched phenomenally, went five innings, only gave up two runs uh, on a way to a no decision. He struck out seven, which was uh, tied for second uh, for an opening day or not opening day, but a MLB debut by a pitcher in strikeouts. Uh, the future is bright for Royals pitching, uh, especially all these young guys who are finally coming up. He was a 2017 draft product that made it to the league three years later. See, these strikeouts are why we need people like Willens Astadio, Kyle. You know that. This is why people love Willens Astadio, because he doesn't strike out. He doesn't strike out. He puts the ball in play. Let's put the ball in play. Let's go. Anyway, sorry. We'll talk more about Will and Zastadio on our weekly turtle tab later. Um, 
One interesting thing that did uh, happen in that Royals series, and I guess it did happen um, first in the Angels Athletics series, but I want to talk about it specifically in the context of Royals-Indians Game 2. The new rule for the um, extra innings this year for Major League Baseball, starting a runner on second base um, for every half inning, did come into play with the Royals. Um, Correct me if I screw any of this up, but they pinch ran for Alex Gordon, Correct yep. to start the, the Royals did to start the top they, of the tenth inning. Yes, they, they pinch to... pinch run for Alex Gordon with a speedy speedy runner. Obviously, yep. proceeded to bunt him over to third. Yep, drove him in on a sacrifice fly. Yep, right, and then the next guy got out, so inning was over. So the Royals scored a run without a runner ever getting on base, technically, which is the first time that's ever happened. Um, Mm -hmm. which was the first time uh, that's ever happened in Major League history. Um, And then the Indians weren't able to do anything with their runner on second. Um, They left him stranded there um, in their bottom half of the 10th, and the Royals won. And there was some frustration uh, in the Indians' clubhouse for that uh, after the game. Mike Clevenger came out and was was very unhappy that they based— and he he was correct. They lost the game because a runner started on second base, right? It's true. He's not wrong. They lost the game because of that. Um, I've already said I don't like the rule. We've talked about it. But it is what it is for this year. I mean, that that's the way it's going to be. And teams have to decide if they're going to play it like the Royals did, where they're going to try to get him over and get him in, put a speedster out there and get him over and get him in, or try to do what the Indians did, where three chances at a single to drive him in, basically. Mm-hmm. So... It'll be interesting it, to see how the strategy plays out going forward. I feel like more teams are going to try it the Indians' way than the Royals' way because most teams don't play small ball anymore, but the Royals are still one of the teams that do that. They're still a little bit more old-fashioned in that respect. So they so the the Mike Clevender does have an argument here, right? Oh, he yeah, pitched, for sure. He pitched a 17-inning game. I think he struck out he, somewhere he between 8 or 10 batters. Games. Or I said a seven inning game. You said seventeen. A seven inning game, and he he pitched phenomenally. The bullpen did what they were supposed to, but it is incredible. In his argument, is it is incredibly hard to get a runner even to second base, let alone score a runner in an extra inning game against a a very very good back end of a bullpen. If you think. Like if you think about the Twins bullpen this year, their back end is gonna be is supposed to be phenomenal. Super hard to get a runner there. You think about to the 2015 to the Royals lockdown bullpen, they hardly ever got a runner to second base, let alone to third base even on a bunt. There's just there was zero hardly the opportunities for that to happen were minuscule uh, for those teams. So it's it you're giving basically. You're saying, all right, here's pretty much a free run in every inning. Now can each team score at least one run, and which team can actually tack on an extra out of that? Yeah. I mean, you can just see the differences if you look at your run expectancy matrix that you should all have saved on your phone like I do all the time. right? Like The amount of runs that score in the start of a regular inning – Um, is usually about 0.48 runs per inning, right, on average. If you start an inning with a runner on second base, that goes up to 1.1 runs an inning, right? So essentially you're adding 
um, what is that? About 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 run, a little over 0. 0.6 runs per inning by starting that runner at second base. Teams are just going to have to learn how to um, to play that way, right? They're just going to have to learn how to play with those rules and have to figure it out. So we'll see what happens. Something to keep an eye on going forward, and especially base running is going to matter because in the Angels A series, Shohei Otani first of all, forgot that he was supposed to go to second base and, like, barely got out there before the inning started. Um, and second of all, um, got in a pickle between second and third when he tried to run when he shouldn't have and got thrown out, and he did not execute it well. So base running is going to matter now. Um, other interesting facts um, from this week in baseball, the Giants are starting to uh, frustrate um, well, specifically the Dodgers this weekend, but I think uh, it's going to continue. So they are what they're doing is they are not announcing the starting pitcher until like um, the morning before the game, so of an afternoon or night game. They're announcing it at like 10 a.m. and they're not announcing their starting lineup until about an hour before the game, which is nothing against the rules about. It's just become you know commonplace that your starter is announced a couple days in advance and you submit your lineup card in the morning. Um, and the Dodgers weren't very happy. They weren't unhappy about it, but, you know, they were they were baseball unhappy about uh, it's sort of an un, one of those unwritten rules in baseball. So they weren't very happy about that. So that's something uh, for Gabe, uh, you to keep uh, an eye on with Gabe Kapler and the Giants. And um, the other interesting thing has happened is this was the first time since 1950 that no teams started 3-0 and or 0-3. Um, all teams started two and one or one and two, which is I thought was pretty interesting. So I, after two games, the entire AL Central was one and one. There was a five-way tie for the AL Central on June 25th or on July 25th. And if you'd have told me that back at the start of spring training, uh, I would have sent you to the asylum. So that's the kind of uh, world we're living in. But since we've talked about all the good of baseball, we have to talk about the bad of baseball that started to come out on Monday. Um, and this is why you heard all the pessimism from us about us uh, saying we're not going to get to the baseball playoffs. That's because we've had our first major outbreak of the baseball season, um, the Miami Marlins, um, over the course of the weekend, even, had 14 players or staff members test positive for covid um, so two games on Monday, the Marlins scheduled game at home against the Orioles and the Yankees game in Philadelphia were both canceled. Um, the Yankees Phillies game, because the Yankees would have had to go into that locker room that the Marlins were in all weekend and they weren't uh, going to do that. So we've already had our first games canceled slash postponed because of this. Um, we're waiting more testing specifically of the Marlins and Phillies specifically the Phillies, to see how much um, that infection would have spread to the other team. But if there's large-scale spread to the Phillies and these outbreaks start to hit other teams, there's no way they could finish this season. Like, you can afford having this happen to maybe one one team or two teams throughout the year, but if the, this outbreak goes to affect the Phillies, then the season is basically over. The MLB is almost going to have to cancel it. So keep an eye on those test results over the last couple of days or the next couple of days and hope that this season can continue and that we're still able to talk about the results of baseball games next week instead of that the season folded. Um, so 
there was news out of the NHL this week too. The Seattle expansion team that will start play in 2021-2022, so not this upcoming year, but the year after, has a team name. They are going to be called the Seattle Kraken, um, which apparently people love. Um, Kyle, you were super excited about it. I I honestly think that's such a fun team name. I don't know. The logo I think looks super cool. The, the color logo scheme, does look kind of cool. The color scheme works. They I feel like they did a really good job coming out with it. And the um, <clears throat> Washington football team needs to take some notes on proper naming techniques for a franchise. I mean, I wasn't in love with the team name. I mean, I feel like this team name is very popular among our generation and, you know, the generation above ours. But as you already know, I'm old-fashioned. So generally, I don't agree with what my generation agrees with. And I'm not a huge – like, I, it's not a bad team name. It's just not – I didn't go crazy over this team name um, like a lot of people did. Anyway, the Seattle Kraken. Go get your gear if you love it like Kyle. Otherwise, you know, just wait for the expansion draft. Um, that comes up not this offseason, but the next one. Um, the other NHL note is that teams are on their way to their bubble sites for the NHL playoffs. Um, unlike the MLB, the NHL doesn't have any COVID problems. They tested everybody after training camp here over the last couple of days and had zero positive tests as they head up to Canada for the bubble. Um, I think the NHL has a really good chance of getting these playoffs in for two reasons. First of all, they're in a bubble which is going to be a lot better than baseball where they're much more free to travel and roam. And two, they're in Canada, where the virus, uh, completely in Canada, where the virus is a lot more under control than in the U.S. So I like the, I like the NHL's chances to get this, uh, these playoffs in. So at least we'll have hockey to watch if baseball can't get through. So look for that starting August 1st, Sunday. The Sunday, August 1st will be the first playoff games. And... Speaking of the topic of the NHL, in this week's edition of the Vault of Hilarious Contracts, we will be sta- we will be staying on the ice as we talk about another contract, but this time it involves a hockey player, and his name is Rick DePietro or DePietro, however you pronounce that. But he retired in 2013 from the league. But every single year, he gets a $1.5 million check until the year 2029 from the Islanders. 2013 to 2029, 16 years at $1.5 million a year. That's a great contract. I mean, just like yes. last week, I would love that. So... I, wouldn't anyone 10. take can, that? Can we get contracts like that when we retire from this podcast? Yeah, let's just find somebody to front the money. Uh, yeah, good. I was going to say, we need to have the money first I'll, in order I'll, to get that contract. I'll start working on that. Maybe I could reach out to Patrick Mahomes. He just got half a billion dollars. So yeah, We'll work on that. That'll be our next task. Pat Mahomes, if you're listening, let us know if you'll fund uh, cool contracts for our retirement. That'd be great. Um, moving on to our next signature segment and our best signature segment. We are bringing you your weekly turtle tab following all things 
Wheelan's Astadio related. And we have great Wheelan's Astadio news. He has cleared the league's COVID protocol. So he is, um, he reported to the Twins alternate site in St. Paul to begin working out um, with the minor leaguers and other um, alternate players. There's no timeline for him to get back. I mean, he missed all of summer camp. So he's going to have to put in some work to get his timing back. But he is back playing baseball with his teammates. So that is good to hear. Willens Astadio will hopefully be back on the Major League roster in a couple of weeks. So go Willens Astadio. Let's go. And hey, it'll be good to have people who you know can't get COVID again if outbreaks keep happening everywhere. So that could be an advantage. Go Willens Astadio. Save your baseball. Moving on to my other favorite signature segment, Mike's Stupid Rules. We are actually ending our um, Stupid Rules about obscure Olympic sports, um, which based on Kyle's reaction, he is either very relieved or very disappointed about. I couldn't tell what that reaction was for, Kyle. Barry, you had it in your hands. I'm just a little disappointed. I don't know. I enjoy learning more about the Olympics. But I'm not disappointed to go back to baseball. I love baseball. Yeah, we are we are going to baseball. And we had a play that I had never seen before that happened in the Twins-White Sox uh, game one. Um, I didn't know how to put this on my scorecard. I actually screwed it up the first time and had to uh, redo it. And yes, I was filling out a scorecard while sitting watching the game on TV for opening day. You should all keep score of baseball games. It is great fun. Great fun. Anyway, so what happened? Slow rolling ground ball to short for the Twins. Jorge Polanco barehands it and throws quickly to first. Edwin Encarnacion is running to first base. Polanco's throw is wild. Um, It hits Edwin Encarnacion in the calf and it hurts him and it causes him to sort of like trip and fall but he falls over first base and he misses first base and is lying hurt on the ground behind first base. Mitch Garver, the catcher, is you know running down the line to back up the throw to first as a catcher should with nobody on base. Um, he picks up the loose ball and tags Edwin Encarnacion and he is correctly called out. He never t- touched first base, so he was tagged and he was called out. Um, I originally scored that play as a 6-2 put out at first base, shortstop to catcher. Um, Apparently that was the incorrect scoring. Apparently when a runner is hit by a thrown ball, it resets the scoring um, on that play. So that will officially go down as a slightly more common two unassisted to you. You occasionally see that on, you know, like, really bad short bunts or dinky ground balls where the catcher will pick it up right away and tag the batter. So it is slightly more common, but I've never seen a 2U um, play at first base before. So there's your stupid rule. When the ball, when a thrown ball hits a runner, the scoring of the play ends up resetting. So that play was a 2U instead of a 6-2. Huh. Interesting. I Uh, like that. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. There were a couple interesting scoring plays. There was an argument about whether there was a play that was a fielder's choice or a hit or an error. The White Sox had some bad middle infield problems is what we learned in game one, and it really, it uh, turned into some interesting scoring plays. Fielder's choices with no outs recorded, things like that. So 
It was kind of interesting. Sounds like a fun game. With the return of baseball, we have a lot of predictions that are either coming, well, they're coming off the board regardless, I suppose, in our accountability session. And I'll let you take it away from here, Mike, but I'm going to brace myself because I have a lot of wrong things coming off the board. Yep, there are a lot of things coming off the board this week. I think we, what is that, eight of them coming off the board this week, and more than half of them are Wyatt's, and I'm not sure any of them are right. Um, anyway, first one come off the board as we do them in order, they reverse order they were predicted, so later it was predicted they'll come off sooner. Um, I predicted way back in February that uh, Willens Astadio would not make the roster out of spring training, and well, it took a long way to get there in a very roundabout fashion, but that was true. Because of COVID, he did not make the roster out of spring training. So, ding, 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 ding. Um, I guess I lied because Wyatt does have a correct prediction. He predicted that the Cubs would win their first series of the year. They took two out of three from the Brewers this weekend. So, ding, 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 ding. Um, but he also predicted that Javi Baez would hit a home run the first game of the year, which he did not. So, nah. Nah. Um, we're going to take two predictions off the board at once because both Wyde and I at one point predicted that there would be no baseball in 2020. There was at least a weekend's worth of baseball. So, Wyatt and I both get a nah. Ding, ding, ding. Nah. Oh, nah. Wait, what? Sorry. Oh, Kyle, come on. <laughs> I mean, if you want to give that to us, we'll take it. <laughs> the wrong sound effect went off on the on the board. <laughs> Push the wrong button. Hit, hit the wrong button. Um, also coming off the board, um, Wyatt predicted the Cubs would sweep the Brewers. Um, they did not, as we said, just two out of three. So, nah. 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 Um, Kyle predicted that the Royals would hit one Astros batter during this scrimmage um, last Monday, 720. Um, they hit nobody in that scrimmage, so nah. Nah. But they, they coincidentally, hit they hit three the next day. Yeah, so you made your prediction about the wrong day. Um, but no, you're still wrong. Hitting them the next day did not count. And the last one to come off the board is again from Wyatt who predicted that Kyle Schwarber would hit a home run on opening day. Um, he also did not home run opening day, so, nah. I was also like Kyle. I was only a day off, because Schwarber hit a home run on Saturday, I believe, so. Dang. rest on those predictions. What's, what's a day off and a dumb like that? Or is that a new saying it's that a, I just made up? I think it's like a that. day late, isn't it? Maybe yeah. or something. Something like, that. Or something like that. You're, you're on the right track. I don't know if you're exactly right. Though. I'll Google it. That's that's pretty much a story of my entire life. On track, but not quite there. Yeah, a day late and a dollar short. Yeah, I was right. I was right about something for, for once in this <laughs> segment. That doesn't happen very often, as we know. But let's go and get some more stuff up on the board. Kyle, want to lead us off? Yeah, so we had a lot of pessimism <laughs> about some things. Mainly me today. Uh over the entire state of the MLB. Yeah, Kyle, so I'm gonna, Kyle was a wheel downer this morning, this I'm, afternoon, when we got on this call. I was like, Kyle, go over the college football watch lists. And he's like, no, I don't want it. We're not going to play college football this year. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I see how it is. I'm so mad. But here's some positivity that I'm trying to muster for all of you, as well as my two co-hosts. Uh, the NBA 
will run their complete season or postseason, the remainder of their season. There so will be is. a finals champion. I I would have to tend to agree with you, and I think the key to that is keeping players isolated from you know everyone else. They're in a bubble. They're in a mm. bubble. Yeah. Yeah. So. The key for me before I sign a base, what is the definition of complete? They crown there, a champion that, or that – I just the, – yeah, there will be a finals champion. There could be a fine – right? They could do something weird where they're in a bubble where they just skip straight to the finals and play it, right? Do they have to play their complete regular season and postseason for this prediction to be right? Or do they just have to have a finals and a finals champion? That that needs to be decided before. I think. Um, I hey heck, I'm being positive. They're gonna run the whole thing, the heck. whole thing. Oh okay. yeah, all the um, way. I'm thinking double Wyatt. What about you? Yep. Yeah. Right on the money. The whole way a double. I agree. Um, for me, I'm gonna make a very similar prediction, except I'm gonna make it about the NHL. I say the NHL runs their entire playoffs, um, as it is currently scheduled as of. Eight hours of 6.31 p.m. on uh, July 27th. See, I think you got a little more going for you with this prediction than Kyle does. Not only is the NHL in a bubble, but they're also in Canada. Like, is that enough to, to warrant a single? I don't think so. So I would probably also go with the double on this one. I'd say we at least have to say a double, if not yeah. less a single. But, you know... There could be some random thing that happens. Yeah, you never know. I mean, the the the, st- the stadium in Edmonton that the Western Conference is playing in did partially flood like a week and a half ago, so there could be some weird thing like that happens. So, anyway, they're still playing there. We're still we're still scheduled to go. Sounds good. We'll word you a double on that. I am not as optimistic as you guys. Uh, I'm gonna say um, that there's not gonna be any bowl games for you know. D1 Bowl Division. There just aren't going to be any bowl games. It's not going to happen. I'm not no. saying we're not going to have any football, but we're not going to have any bowl games. So I'm no bowl games, zero bowl games. Does none. this include college football playoff games? Um, those aren't really bowl like. But the semifinals are bowl games, right? They no, rotate yeah. the six bowls. They are bowl games, but they're not bowl games. You know, uh, I'm going to say the playoff happen either. Yeah. It's it, those aren't gonna happen. We're not gonna okay. finish the season. Okay. The pessimist in me says this is a hundred percent gonna happen. <laughs> like there is no way that you're gonna be able to fly teams down and do this. And you can't isolate the players. You can't put college players in a bubble. Really, I don't think. I mean, maybe no. you can, but I feel like that's gonna be much more difficult. Like, you're gonna really struggle with that uh, amateur student type definition. If yep. you put them all in a bubble so they can play football, you're not going to get away with that. Yep. So. Yeah. Uh, double? I, I'm leaning towards single because I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen at all. Uh, double what a do single. you want for it? I want a double, but I wouldn't be mad with a single. Like, I understand both sides of the fence there. Yeah. The pessimist in me says single. I was thinking double. Fine. I'll give him a uh, double because he's just smiling. for the symmetry. I just for the symmetry it. of it. I'll take it. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? 
he's still alive. He's like worked all weekend for some reason. I don't know what that's about, but I do not have a prediction from him. So probably because he's still working. That's all right. I hope he gets done with his work soon. Shout out to you, Josh. So with our three doubles uh, up on the board, we're at the end of the write that down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 91 of the 8311 cast. We're almost up to 100. Random thought. So a day late and a dollar short. If you're a day early, you have a dollar long. Keep that in the back of your noggin. Signing off for the 8311 cast. We have your hosts. Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig. And Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.